Regardless of how you felt about the movies Superman has appeared in since 2013, there's no denying that the character hasn't been given a ton of spotlight since his big relaunch five years ago with Man of Steel. In Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, a ton of ground had to be covered, so he was understandably sidelined. They had to introduce new versions of Batman, Alfred, and Lex Luthor. They had to introduce the first ever cinematic Wonder Woman. They had to deliver a finale that brought in Doomsday and gave us a taste of the classic Death of Superman storyline. When you consider this, it makes some semblance of sense that Henry Cavill's Superman had to take somewhat of a backseat in a movie that bore his character's name in its title. Then he sat out Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman for reasons that should be obvious. And when Justice League finally arrived again, Regardless of your take on the character's portrayal, there's no denying that his screen time in the film was extremely limited. And, due to a desire to not spoil anything, he wasn't even featured in the promotion for that movie. So here we are, five years removed from Man of Steel, wondering, will Superman ever get his due? When will we finally get a solo sequel? Will the studio start showing Henry Cavill his proper respect, or will he continue to play second and third fiddle to Batman and Wonder Woman? On today's episode of the El Fanboy Podcast, a Revenge of the Fans production, I'm happy to share with you that it looks like Kal-El will finally get his day in the sun. L Fanboy, episode 59. Hi, everybody. Mario Francisco Robles, MFR here with you, and this is the 59th edition of the El Fanboy Podcast. How's everybody doing out there? I'm sorry I missed you last week for May the 4th to be with you. Uh, I would have loved to have put a show together there for you, uh, yeah, something with a nice Star Wars theme to celebrate the big day, but I had my own big day to celebrate because it was my son Sebastian's fourth birthday, and uh, the night before and the day of ended up being an insane marathon of Super Dad trying to do super things for his super boy, and uh, you know what? It all worked out. I have no regrets. I had to stay up until 3 in the morning building a brand new loft bed in his bedroom. It was part of his gift. We surprised him with it in the morning. He slept in our room with us. And then in the morning, we unveiled his big boy bed and his head almost fell off. So that made up for the fact that daddy, you know, almost hammered his fingers off a couple of times and was thoroughly wiped out at three in the morning. And then I, and then on the big day, I had to do a magic show for him and his schoolmates. And it was just a marathon of a day. And uh, I missed doing the show. But you know what? It looks like the time off was excellent because uh, I'm back this week with some very exciting things to share. Now, before I get into sharing them, I know that's why you're here and you're just, well, come on, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. I just want to, you know, I, I want to once again draw like a, a line of distinction here. 
because you know after the whole thing with the aquaman trailer you know went south and that really sort of you know it bummed me out and and it bummed some people out and it opened me to some scrutiny you know i've been really rethinking this whole thing with the scoops and trying to tell you that something is absolutely happening or absolutely not happening because you know hollywood's a tricky subject to discuss things change on a dime and you know so I, i'm kind of trying to step myself out of the scoop game to a certain degree because it's a fun roller coaster ride when the scoops are going well and everyone's loving it and all that it feels great but heaven forbid something goes south then you feel like a total jackass for getting people's you know hopes up so what i'm doing here is i'm sharing with you what i consider bochinche now bochinche is more like gossip. This is hearsay. This is what I'm hearing from people I trust, people in the know, people who've proven themselves to be right before, people who've proven to me that they have discipline with what they're discussing and what they're sharing with me and don't just run off at the mouth about any little thing. You know, I know what happened with the Aquaman trailer. I, I know the, the full story of where that person got confused and all that, and I, you know, I ended up with egg on my face. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, so I've since spoken to some people about all these Superman rumblings and these Flashpoint rumblings and these Batman rumblings with Ben Affleck, and I've got some bochinche for you. And that's right, it's on three different subjects. So if you're a DC fan, the, today's episode is going to be a smorgasbord for you. Uh, but again, you know, just you have to keep in mind that this is Hollywood. Plans change, things evolve. What's important to understand here, especially with the Superman stuff, is what's at the core of the Superman stuff. Because while certain things may change, what's at the heart of it all is absolutely a big story in and of itself. And what's at the heart of it is Superman is a big, huge topic of conversation at Warner Brothers right now. It seems like after years of kind of keeping him on the sidelines and putting the focus on Batman and on Wonder Woman and kind of allowing him to be sort of like a background player, it looks like Warner Brothers is finally ready to really invest and double down on Henry Cavill and Superman and his presence in the DC Cinematic Universe. So that is what is at the core of all this. Now here's some of the stuff I'm hearing that they're working on, okay? So here we go. Earlier this year, and actually late last year, I was letting you know that they were, you know, ready to sort of fast track a sequel. That that Superman is a priority there at the studio. That through all of the Justice League drama and all of the the, the changing of the guards and everything, all the the roller coaster ride that has been operating the DCU and observing its reception and how it's all panned out. At the you know somehow through all of that, they walked away with. Hey, you know what? We have a diamond in the rough here. We have this star in Henry Cavill who was like born to play Superman, who fans love, who's great in the role, who looks like the role and is ready to like commit and do this, you know, to, to play this for years. We can't really, you know, we have to stop ignoring that. We have to stop fussing so much about Ben Affleck and Batman and all this stuff. We have the king of superheroes, Superman here. And we have an actor who's happy and excited to continue playing him into the future. So we need to figure out how to get him front and center. And you know what? That still seems to be the case. And even taking that a step further... You know, remember a couple weeks ago, Collider was talking about 
uh, yeah, they published a report and I wrote about it on the site as well about this idea that they want Superman to be around a lot. They want him to almost be like what Nick Fury was in the early days of the of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where he like he pops up a lot. He's a big, you know, his presence is felt even when he's not on screen. You know that he's around. You know that he had something to do with everything that we're watching. His presence was important and pivotal. And he still kind of has that tendency where he could pop up in any one of these Marvel movies. And it's almost not even a story because we're used to it. Seeing Nick Fury, seeing Samuel L. Jackson pop up in a Marvel movie, now like it's almost expected. It's almost not surprising because the character is basically like just part of the DNA of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it really sounds like what they want is for Henry Cavill Superman to have that same sort of presence where he's just there. We know him. We feel him. He can pop up to make a cameo. He can be front and center for a huge storyline. He's just there. So let's talk about how they want him to be there. See, the studio seems to be high on this idea of having Superman act as the sort of moral compass for the DCU. Kind of like what I suspect they're going to use him for in Shazam, where he's a beacon of light, he's an inspiration, he's a role model, and there's going to be a scene in there where you know Shazam and Superman interact in a way that kind of helps to mentor and bring Shazam along into the hero that he's destined to become or is at this point in the movie. So that sort of idea of having him around being the moral compass for the DCU is something that is very important to them. Now, aside from things like that, where they're going to have him appear in other movies, which, by the way, it's not going to do not expect to see him in Aquaman because a lot of that's going to be about, you know, with the with the focus as it should be uh, squarely on Arthur Curry and all of the stuff going on in Atlantis and all that. Same thing with Wonder Woman, too, which, again, takes place in the past before Superman has even arrived. So he won't pop up there. But I feel like you know what they want to do is they want to have him be able to pop up in other people's stories, not just Shazam's. Now, that may not sound too exciting for you. You're probably wondering, what about the sequel? Well, um, I was given the year for when they want his sequel to arrive. And by having the year, we can also now sort of reverse engineer what their production timeline is for a Superman sequel. You ready? I was given the year 2020. That is apparently when Warner Brothers wants this sequel to be getting done, be getting made, be getting released. They want a Superman sequel for the year 2020. And right now, they're currently meeting with directors, as we know. But just based on what's being said out there, you know, Matthew Vaughn has already just sort of let the cat out of the bag in recent months that he's had meetings with Warner Brothers, as did his very chatty friend, uh, Mark Miller, when he was on the El Fanboy podcast uh, at the end of December. So they've both you know, made it very clear that he's had meetings. Then you have Christopher McQuarrie going around telling people that he wants meetings. So I kind of consider that like we know of one and a half directors who might be up for this movie. Warner Brothers no longer wants to skimp on this director. They don't want it to just be anybody. They don't want it to be someone who's just trendy. They don't want it to be anyone that just one person endorsed. Because, yeah, you got to remember, and this is not a knock on Mr. Snyder, okay? I have nothing against the guy. You know, I've loved, I've enjoyed some of his movies. I've disliked some of them. But when Zach got the job, you've got to understand that he did not really come in with a lot of buzz around him, like positive buzz. You know, Watchmen, 
Legend of the Guardians and Sucker Punch all failed to double their budgets. So they all basically did not turn a profit and all of them were reviewed fairly harshly. Now, remember, I, I, I need you to try to just keep your emotions in check. I'm not trying to, if you're a Snyder fan, this is, not, this is nothing against Snyder or you, know, or you or anyone. This is just, you know, facts. So when they brought Snyder on from, to do Man of Steel, which, you know, the, the, the running thought on that is that Christopher Nolan actually handpicked him, which is pretty darn cool. But, you know, when they hired Snyder, uh, supposedly on Nolan's recommendation, they were kind of taking a risk. You have to understand that. They, here's a guy who is, none of his movies have turned a profit in the last several years. And the, the critics have, have, have either disliked them or been very so-so on them. So when they hired Snyder, it was not, you know, it was, they were taking a bit of a chance. And they don't want to do that anymore. They want to hire someone who's a win. They want to hire someone who has a proven track record, who's coming in on somewhat of a hot streak, and who they know, like, you have a sure hand, we trust you, go make us an amazing Superman movie. Because remember, they, they, they even got burnt out back in 2006. You know, Brian Singer even, you know, he came in after X2, and they entrusted the character to him, and the, and the movie fizzled there as well. So right now they're very they're paying a lot of attention to the director thing. They they no longer want to possibly saddle Superman with a director that's going to be detrimental to the character's well-being. So if we're talking about production timelines, if 2020 you know is their goal, which is I'm told from someone who actually works for Warner Brothers that 2020 is the target year, then that tells us that right now they're trying to, you know, nail down the director up next, they want to fin you know, finalize a script, and that means that they would conceivably want to start filming this thing in 2019, because that's you know that's what you do on these kinds of big budget movies with all the special effects and all the thing, all the sets that have to be built, and all of the bells and whistles that go into making a movie of this scale. You know, you want to give it a year. So 2019, to me, that sounds like when they're going to start filming this sequel, so that they can get it out for 2020. What else is really exciting for me is I hear that Mr. Cavill has got some hand in this. He has a voice in this process. That, and I think that's a big deal. Because if you really think about it, he's such like a modest guy. He's a humble dude. He's been playing Superman since 2013. He is the mantle bearer for one of the most famous, most popular, most treasured, most beloved fictional characters of all time, and he's been carrying that mantle for five years, yet you never really hear him making a stink. You never see him trying to steal the spotlight. He is totally sort of sat back as Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot have gotten all the headlines these last few years. And he's sort of just kind of, he's just kind of been there. He's let everyone have their moment to shine. And you almost kind of get the sense that Warner Brothers has been taking him for granted. You know, here's a guy who looks like he, you know, he was carved and, and ripped out of a stone ready to you know, play Superman. He just, you know, he, he embodies this role so well and he has so much passion for it. If you remember some of his comments around Justice League talking about how excited he is to be able to play this character this way now. You know, he feels that certain mistakes had been made in the past and he's happy to play the role model Superman, the optimistic Superman who, who, who kids can rally behind and really be that symbol of hope that we've heard so much about over the years. So here you have a guy 
who's been just kind of quietly, idly standing by as everyone else gets his spotlight and all the headlines totally overshadow him. And it sounds like now, and I, I, by the way, I have a feeling this has to do with Danny Garcia, who's his manager and who comes from the world of Dwayne Johnson, the amazing salesman and showman and PR genius that he is. You know, we know he's been taking meetings with Warner Brothers and Danny's been there by his side because she's his manager. You kind of have to imagine that she finally cracked the whip and told Warner Brothers, hey, you have a treasure here. So it's time for you to either acknowledge that and give him the respect that he deserves, or it's time for you to recast Superman at the same time that you're trying to recast Batman. Good luck with that. You know what I mean? Like she seems like someone who's sort of no nonsense and who comes from that Dwayne Johnson school of like put up or shut up. And it looks like the Cavill team spearheaded by Danny Garcia got their way because Mr. Cavill's going to have a say in the director process. And by the way, to me, that bodes well for Christopher McQuarrie, because if it's true that Cavill and McQuarrie have been talking Superman, like, like the director himself has said, and they had a great experience on Mission Impossible Fallout, I feel like Cavill is probably going to campaign for McQuarrie to get the job, which to me would be awesome. But now, again, back, back to what we're working on here. So a sequel for 2020, they're meeting with several directors right now. Cavill has a say, and I heard that they're looking at two or three quote-unquote big ideas for how to make the character's presence felt in these films. I believe the first one is the one I've already reported on about Shazam, and I hear that there are like another two things somewhat like that in the works where we're going to feel his presence there in these movies. Maybe even now that, you know, this is just spitballing now, but I you know we know that Flash is kind of getting some new momentum around it now that it's no longer Flashpoint and it's Flash, you know, and we know that Ezra Miller's Barry Allen is another one of the, is a character who's somewhat in over his head. Remember how Batman had to mentor him in Justice League and he was anxious about using his powers and fighting people and not knowing what to do. And Batman gave him that great bit of advice of like, just save one person at a time and all that, you know? It sounds like, I mean, it, 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 spitballing, I feel like, He's also going to have a mentor in Superman in his movie. You know, maybe this is making you roll your eyes and you're like, oh, I don't, you know, it's going to be repetitive to just kind of have him show up and say something wholesome and then disappear. But the point is, I love the idea that they want him to be the moral compass of the DCU, that they want him to be heavily involved in the next few movies and to kind of have him be front and center. And I, by the way, I think, you know, what, what I alluded to earlier about Batman leaving, you know, I think that might factor into why they're going to suddenly put all their eggs in the Superman basket. Because if you think about it, when Man of Steel started, when, you know, when the DCU sort of kicked off, you know, Warner Brothers was still in like a Batman hangover. You know, they had just gone through the Dark Knight trilogy with Christopher Nolan. So they were very, you know, they very much had Batman on the brain. And that's why, if you, you know, if you look at it, you know, the, Batman has been front and center, even though this whole thing started on the back of Henry Cavill's Superman. You know, Ben Affleck, you know, the Batman got all the press in Batman v Superman. All, you know, all, all, so much of the headlines and the buzz and everything 
was around Ben Affleck's Batman. Then he got to cameo in Suicide Squad. Then even in Wonder Woman, which we don't physically see him in, he makes his presence very felt in the beginning and at the end where we she gets those those uh, letters from, from Wayne Industries and Bruce helping her get the picture taken with, you know, Stephen Trevor and all that stuff. So Batman's been like all over the place. And I feel like with 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 Affleck officially out, which I'll get to in a second, it looks like they're finally going, all right, you know what? We need to pump the brakes on Batman because, you know, the, the whole Batman situation is going to take some time to sort of unfold because now we're going to have to deal with the public relations of transitioning Affleck out of the role, bringing in a new actor, getting the Matt Reeves Batman movie up and running. So, you know, that that is all sort of a work in progress. Meanwhile, we have this treasure right here in Henry Cavill's Superman. So it's time to sort of transition away from Batman and towards Superman. And on top of that, we're in a different landscape. We're in a different cultural world than we were when Batman was dominating everything in the mid-2000s, you know? The world, you know, everything, the culture, everything was like in a much darker place. It was post-September 11th. Everyone had a lot of fear and anxiety. And Nolan did a great job of like working all that sort of allegorical stuff into this tale of Bruce Wayne, this this hero who's suffered through all this tragedy. And, you know, he, he did a really good job of mining that. But nowadays, what are people gravitating towards? People are gravitating towards big, exciting, colorful, happy superhero extravaganzas. And who can provide that better than Superman? So it feels like, you know, Warner Brothers is trying to adapt with the times. They're trying to, you know, the, obviously there's going to be a lot of Batman stuff coming. You know, we have stuff that's sort of set in the Batman mythos like Birds of Prey. Uh, by the way, I hear Suicide Squad 2 is like not really as set anymore. That with all of this focus on Birds of Prey, with all of this focus on Harley Quinn and all this sort of stuff that, you know, Margot Robbie has these new comments about Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey and with Batgirl and all this other stuff. I hear that Suicide Squad 2, which is surprising to me, by the way, is kind of getting is kind of getting tossed back onto the back burner, which is kind of crazy to me because, you know, they've had Gavin O'Connor developing this thing for, I want to say, like, I don't know, a year and a half now. This is just me pulling things out of my ass. I forget when they announced him. But he's been attached to this for a long time. And there was also that weird thing earlier this year with Joel Kinnaman and Jay Hernandez and Jai Courtney saying that they're training to return to the squad or whatever. That was back in January. But meanwhile, from what I'm hearing, Suicide Squad 2 may be one of the things that Hamada is, like, not thrilled about. And by the way, a lot of the undercurrent of all this is Mr. Walter Hamada. He seems to be coming in guns blazing ever since he got this job. And he's trying to streamline things and change the priorities over at DC Entertainment. He, you know, it, it, he was entrusted with trying to revive this franchise, revive this brand. And basically anything he sees that's going to be like not fitting in with his vision that he's going to see as a distraction or something that's only sort of half-baked, he seems to be, you know, like pulling back on. Even like all that stuff, and it makes me sad, but even all that stuff that, that I helped report back in November where the uh, the people who were running things around the time of Justice League were very high 
on this Legion of Doom concept. And that's why they even had that thing where they had Joss Whedon reshoot just one close-up of Lex Luthor's face so he can say, shouldn't we have a League of Our Own? Like, you know, th th they were really heavily pushing towards establishing the Legion of Doom and they you know, and they, they put that, that coda in there with Lex Luthor and Deathstroke. Apparently, even that, Hamada is, like, not thrilled on. You know, Deathstroke is still a possibility, and whatever sort of Legion of Doom type stuff that they were building towards may just kind of get baked into that. But apparently he's not nearly as keen on the LOD as the as the as the previous people in charge, you know, uh, John Berg, Jeff Johns, Diane Nelson. He's really, you know, he he's he's not about that life. He's not about trying to keep old plans going. He's like I'm the boss now, so I'm reevaluating everything. And it sounds like Suicide Squad 2 is one of those things that's getting heavily reevaluated. Um, I don't even know how I got into this. Just in terms of like, yes, there's going to be plenty of Batman because, you know, Batman is, is, is still a pillar of this franchise. But for right now, it looks like they want to shift things so that like Wonder Woman and Superman are the faces of the franchise for now. And it makes sense because, you know, I finally got word from someone who I trust who has been very reserved in the past on this subject, that Ben Affleck is done. He's gone. You know, I spoke to someone who in the past has warned me, has told me, that listen, it looks like Affleck is out, but they never give me like a straight yes or no. They're always very careful about how they talk about this subject. They'll say, oh, the studio has soured on him. It looks bad. It looks this way. And then when I press them to go, all right, but is it happening or not? They're always very like, listen, I don't know. You know, right now things seem to be going this way, but things are fucking crazy here. So I never know from one day to the next what the what the decision makers up top are going to do. This time, when I asked about Affleck, there was no uncertainty whatsoever. All right. They said that Affleck is gone. They said that Flashpoint is toast, which is kind of separate, but this is just like stuff that like they told me very bluntly yesterday, and this is someone who's not usually so blunt, so I'm sharing it with you. They say Flashpoint is toast, Affleck is toast, Affleck is gone. I even asked like, all right, well, okay, he's he's not going to be in Matt Reeves' The Batman, but what about, you know, a cameo in Suicide Squad 2? And that's when they said Suicide Squad 2 is barely a thing, but regardless of that, Affleck is gone. So I'm like, wow, okay. So, you know, again, remember, we're in the Bochinche zone. I guess there's that possibility that we get some sort of surprise. But you know what? I trust this person primarily because they've never spoken so bluntly on this subject to me. I've had many conversations with this person about Affleck, and it's always like they hedge their bets a little bit. They never want to say definitively one way or the other because, you know, it's... It's a situation that's been very fluid for very long, but this time there was not even an ounce of hesitation or 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 a, an attempt at being conservative. No, they just said Affleck is gone. So a part of me wonders too if that's part of why Superman is about to get the big boost that he's going to get because Batman's image and everything is going to have to get rehabilitated. They're going to have to deal with announcing a new actor and all that sort of stuff. So, in the meantime, our boy Henry Cavill is about to have an awesome, awesome ride as Superman. And I cannot believe it! Finally! Finally, 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 I have some exciting, fun Superman stuff to share, and I'm so glad that I just did it with you. 
And uh, also, you know, last thing about Superman before we change gears a little bit is that I know that there was this recent chatter around Peter Jackson in DC that I don't have any clarity on, but I was told that Peter Jackson is not one of the directors being looked at for the Superman sequel. So, you know, if, if you thought he might be in the running, I was told fairly conclusively that he is not up for Superman, okay? Um, now, I stumbled on something else that I found rather interesting, and I want to share it with you as well. Um, the person I was speaking to while they were dropping all these nuggets on me yesterday, they kind of volunteered some information that yeah, I, I found it interesting, and maybe you will too. But apparently two weeks ago, when Infinity War came out, it like really sent shockwaves through Warner Brothers. And that actually surprised me because I'm like, really, are we still like, are they trying to compare themselves to them? Are they, you know, are they surprised the movie did well? Or who didn't know that the movie was going to go well? But when I asked for some elaboration on how Infinity War left them kind of shook, I don't know, I found the answer somewhat, you know, insightful. That basically Warner Brothers sees the benefit in big plans and pay and, and and taking like the slow and steady approach and then building towards a payoff. You know, they, they were, you know, the, the, some of the early philosophies there around this DC universe, you can tell it was very sort of reactionary. There was like this, this, this sort of impulse to like rush things and just get things out into theaters so they could sell tickets, so they could sell action figures, so they could, you know, try to compete with Marvel on their own terms. But, you know, the, there were some creative hurdles that, you know, it just, it didn't really pan out for them. And Infinity War apparently sort of like sent like the final shockwave through the current regime there at Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment, where they're thinking like, okay, look, you know, look what happens when you slowly build and, and raise the expectations and raise the anticipation little by little, you know, Infinity War has been doing these astronomical numbers. And meanwhile, it doesn't open in China until today. So with China, this thing might become like really the biggest superhero movie of all time. And Warner Brothers is just sort of like, I don't want to say kicking itself. But, you know, they, 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 apparently they're really taking stock of just how well it went for them there for Marvel. And they're, you know, they don't want to mimic them. They don't want to copy them. They don't want DC to become a ripoff of Marvel. But in terms of the business plan, they're apparently, you know, they're taking lots of notes on just like the quiet, slow and steady build towards a big payoff. You stick to your guns. You don't act reactionary. You have your plan in mind and you make little tweaks as you go, obviously paying attention to what the audiences and critics are telling you. But overall, you have to have your end game in sight and to slowly build towards something because the rewards are astronomical. And that was one of the issues with the previous people calling the shots. They expected astronomical results no matter what the quality of the product was. They thought if we just put these names out there and we, 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 you know, and we put them in these storylines that seem very exciting and exotic and, and exhilarating that the box office receipts and everything will just take care of itself. And, you know, they're learning that you can't just do that, that you really have to have a plan. 
You have to stick to the plan. You have to build towards the climax of your plan and then just kind of watch all the chips fall where they may. And honestly, I think that's why we are bidding farewell to the Flashpoint concept. It's why I think Hamada is rethinking the Legion of Doom concept. You know, they don't, the, the, right now, it seems to be that the sole point, the sole focus here is to get all of these characters rehabilitated and loved and give them all their own spotlight again. Stop trying to ru like rush towards big crossover events. Stop trying to make everything feel big and actually just build towards something until it becomes really big. You know, that seems to be one of the ways in which Hamada is trying to change the philosophy there behind the scenes. You could see it with the fact that Flashpoint is apparently now off the table and with the fact that the Legion of Doom thing seems to be gone and that nobody's talking about Justice League 2 anymore. You know, of course it's going to happen down the line. They're not crazy, and of course there has to be a plan for that. But it's on such a back burner, and a huge part of that is because, the, you know, in terms of what they're trying to adapt from the Marvel model, it's not the tone, it's not the writing, it's not the overall style and feel of the films, but they want to really adapt that discipline of we're going to build up all of these solo brands and then once the audience has shown that they love it and that the pump is primed and that they're ready to go, then we'll venture into things where characters, you know, where, where we have crossover, quote unquote, events like your Justice Leagues and things of that nature. Who knows? Maybe we'll even get like a world's finest movie down the line or a movie just about the Trinity down the line. You know, they have all these different interesting crossover idea, you know, potential ideas from the comics that I just get the sense that none of them are really on the table anymore. Whereas the previous regime probably scoured the DC Comics, you know, uh, archives and said, how many of these big stories can we adapt? You know, it looks like Hamada's like, no, screw that. Let's put the emphasis on the characters, on getting these budgets reined in, on letting the characters shine, building up these individual brands, and then we'll worry about stuff like Flashpoint later on. And to me, that personally is music to my ears. And, you know, again, it's just interesting to me to hear that the success of Infinity War actually, like, the, the, it, it led to some internal sort of, you know... Um, discussion and 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 some tension there at the offices as they realize like we could have had something like this had we not made the mistakes that we had made and it seems like they're on the case to try to make sure they don't repeat those mistakes and you know that makes me very excited i hope it makes you very excited as well because the flashpoint thing in particular you know, what it communicates to me, the idea of scrapping that whole concept and no longer trying to use it as a way to transition Affleck out of the role and to like reset and quote unquote reboot the DCU. What, what, what strikes me as notable and commendable and interesting there is, you know, to do all that is somewhat cynical. To do all that is basically you're trying to, you know, you're trying to finagle some behind-the-scenes drama using a movie to do so. You know, you, 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 the movie itself, like the, 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 the motivation for the film isn't so much to give Flash the best opportunity to shine and to win over a whole new legion of fans. It's to use this movie to help re rehabilitate your image and to help get an actor out who's been a bit of an albatross on your franchise for the last couple of years. 
You know, so that was that was always a sort of shitty, cynical way to approach the Flashpoint movie. It sounds like really what Hamada's priority is now is let's not shine a spotlight or call attention to things that didn't work in the past. To basically make a movie that helps reset the table and retcon certain things is to make people have to like really dwell on the past. It shines a spotlight on old mistakes. It really kind of reopens certain old wounds and you know, it forces us to relitigate old cases. His vision seems to be solely set on the future. Let's just move on. Those movies are there. We're going to just kind of, you know, from here, we're going to do our own sort of soft reboot just in terms of how we approach these films philosophically and in the way it puts the characters front and center and lets them shine because audience have, audiences have proven they don't really care necessarily about continuity. They don't care about behind-the-scenes drama. All they care about is good movies. And I've been saying this for years. And Aaron Verola, if you're listening to this, you're probably rolling your eyes because you're the continuity king. But I've pointed out before that Warner Brothers seems to be perfectly happy going the Fox route, what Fox has done with the X-Men movies, where, yes, they've had times where they're on a terrible stretch, where they have a couple of movies in a row like X3 and X-Men Origins that audiences hate and feel like, oh, that's it, the franchise is done. But then they come roaring back with X-Men First Class and The Wolverine and Days of Future Past. You know, and then they drop again with X-Men Apocalypse. But, you know, Fox has proven that audiences will show up if the trailers look good, if the movies are good, if you're making good buzz, they will forgive you for crappy old movies. So Hamada's probably, you know, when he heard about all this Flashpoint stuff, you know, he's probably thinking, why go through all that? Why do all that and shine a spotlight on, what, on the things we want to fix? Let's just focus on making good movies. The audiences will show up. Let's do, you know, let's slow and steadily win the race and we're going to build towards stuff that's going to drive people nuts in a positive way down the line. We have to stop chasing our tails, trying to get ahead because you don't get ahead by chasing your tail. You get ahead by actually moving forward. So that to me is what was communicated by this whole ditching of Flashpoint, this whole just kind of allowing Affleck to leave and they're just going to recast him and move on without you know, finding some weird storyline explanation for why he looks different now. They're just really, they just want to turn the page, make good movies, and know that audiences will show up and embrace your films and love your movies as long as they're good. And just look how Deadpool's doing. Deadpool's a Fox movie. Deadpool started off as a terrible part of X-Men Origins Wolverine. But what happened? They just pushed forward. Fox said, screw it. We're going to keep Ryan Reynolds. We're going to, you know, and thankfully with Deadpool, it allowed them the fourth wall breaking ability to address what a Turkey X-Men Origins was. But even still, they're like, we're going to keep the same actor in the same role. And we're just going to own that that sucked. And we're going to move on. And now Deadpool 2... You know, the buzz on the early screenings is very good. It's poised to open around $150 million, even in this insanely crowded landscape that it's in. Of course, it's going to drop the following week when Solo comes out. But still, it's going to have a huge opening. It's got good buzz around it. And it's just a testament to, like, Fox's mentality 
of forget continuity. It doesn't matter what's come before. Just put your best foot forward with each movie. And hopefully, you know, if it turns out good, the audiences are going to show up anyway. So don't spend so much time gazing at your own navel trying to figure out how you ended up here and trying to fix it because you can't. Um, so, you know, I have a ton of respect for, for the folks calling the shot. Yeah, I, I keep singling out Hamada, but you know, there are other people there. You know, Toby Emmerich is, has, has been involved and we know Jeff Johns is in there in some form and in more of a consultant sort of capacity. And, you know, Diane Nelson is on uh, some sort of sabbatical, which, you know, make of that what you will. But, you know, Hamada is not a one man band. There are other people that are part of this. So I just want to thank those people at the top for, for, for deciding to be bold enough to just say our focus is on the future. The past is the past. We're going to work on making a bunch of great movies in a row now. You know, and as I wrote about yesterday on Revenge of the Fans in the, it was either the Flashpoint piece or the Batman piece. I don't know. I wrote them both like back to back. Um, you know, in theory, we're on the cusp of a winning streak here. You know, in, in December, we're going to have Aquaman, which you know, continues to have positive buzz. Then we're going to have Shazam, which, you know, I'm feeling optimistic about and hopefully it's good. Then we're going to have Wonder Woman 2 at the end of 2019 with Patty Jenkins getting her huge payday and coming in very enthusiastically, hopefully ready to take everything that worked in the first Wonder Woman and kick it up a notch. And they're giving her all this top tier talent. You know, they have Kristen Wiig and they have Pedro Pascal. And there's, you know, it just th there's a lot of reason to think that the next three DC movies are going to be a winning streak. And that's going to bring us right into 2020. All right, 2020, the year that Warner Brothers wants to give us a new Superman movie and presumably the Flash movie as well. And presumably, if Matt Reeves can get his stuff together, maybe even a new Batman. Can you imagine that? 2020, we could have Superman, the Flash and Batman all release big movies. Like, are you kidding me right now? So, you know, things are exciting. The you know a lot of you know a lot of the the specifics of what I shared the bochinche of course that can change that can morph that can evolve but what won't evolve what is at the heart of all this is that Superman is a priority Henry Cavill Superman is is, is they're, they're trying to find ways to help make him the full on face of the franchise alongside Gal Gadot no longer playing second fiddle to Ben Affleck and Batman and all that drama and. They want to get a Superman sequel done in theaters by 2020. That, to me, is beautiful. So there you have it, folks. Flashpoint is dead. Ben Affleck is gone. And Warner Brothers is internally trying to line up everything to get a Superman sequel into theaters by the year 2020. They're meeting with directors. They want Superman to be a huge focal point for the DCU moving forward. And keep an eye on RevengeOfTheFans.com because there are some big-time filmmakers who are circling DC projects. And we're, we're, we're going to be covering that stuff extensively on the site as announcements are made. All right? Your movie referral for this week is Edge of Tomorrow, directed by Doug Lyman. Uh, starring Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. If you haven't seen it, you really should. And there's someone involved with that project who, you know... Uh, I want to see involved with Superman, if you know what I mean. So Edge of Tomorrow is this week's recommendation. If you enjoyed the show, 
Please don't forget to subscribe, tell your friends, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And I'm, an, I'm, I'm very happy and proud and somewhat flabbergasted to announce that as of today, May 11th, 2018, the site has been open for just under five months and we've welcomed over 100,000 visitors into our doors who've viewed our articles over 200,000 times. Your support is overwhelming. Thank you so much for everyone who's taken the time to listen and share and retweet and comment and, and tell their friends you have to check out Revenge of the Fans, the El Fanboy podcast and the Revengers podcast because uh, it's really just been wonderful to see how quickly and how nicely this thing has grown. So that's enough out of me. Until next week, adios.